HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is presented by LMT and Forever Cheese. This week, it's the season finale of Meet and Three. We're following up our episode about youth with a look at age and how aging affects life on farms and in kitchens. At the the most basic level, we need people to grow food for a growing global population. The question of planning for retirement or old age as a cook It's almost one that doesn't exist bizarrely until it's too late. We also have a story about a food that might be older than you think. A recent archaeological finding might have crossfitters everywhere reevaluating their diets. Plus, a story about one of Atlanta's most historic and risque landmarks. There are dancers that have been there 20 and 30 years. Don't miss our season finale of Meat and Three, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, and welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm your host, Linda Palaccio, on this weekly journey through culinary history. And today, as we record in New York City, it is a hot and steamy day. We're in full swing of the long summer days. And for many, that means the heat of the kitchen has moved outdoors. The grills are fired up and barbecue festivals are a common activity everywhere. And there's one type of barbecue known especially for its fiery heat, a fiery heat that has historic roots, and that is Jamaican jerk. So where and how did this grilling preparation begin? Well, trying to pinpoint origins of cuisines from the Caribbean is not an easy task. The many traders, invaders, colonists, and travelers left bits and pieces of their cuisines that became incorporated into the native island food cultures. And like most Caribbean islands, Jamaican foods are derived from many different settlement cultures as well, including British, Dutch, French, Spanish, East Indian, Portuguese, Chinese, and, importantly, West African. Writer Rochelle Oliver takes us back to the 1500s to learn about the origins of the favorite Jamaican food preparation, jerk. Rochelle is a contributing reporter for the New York Times covering Caribbean food 
and history. And she's the managing editor of islandandspice.com, a magazine exploring Caribbean food and culture. Welcome, Rochelle. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, you, you, your article in the Times. You recently wrote an article in the Times on Jamaican jerk, and it was so so timely, yes. so timely for the Times, um, <laughs> because of all the festivals going on, and, and also I think a, an article around the same time was about one Jamaican um, person living in Queens who's actually doing what they do in Jamaica, and he's selling roadside right from his stoop in Queens, yes. selling yes. Jamaican jerk right across the the fence. Um, it was a good article, and and it um, inspired me to do this show oh, with thank you. Thank you so much. In that article, you wrote that the jerk we know today was born of peppers, pimento, fire, and freedom. What do you mean by that statement? You know, it's a, it's not only was it a timely story going into summer to cover jerk. Um, it's also yesterday was um, Emancipation Day for uh, Jamaica. This is the day where they were, you know, the slave, slaves were emancipated. And so the story of Jerk, you can't really talk about the history of Jerk without actually talking about how the Maroons, who were the ones who actually really uh, crafted and cultivated the Jerk that we know today, um, were the ones who were up in the hills who actually not only crafted the food, but were the first ones at African descent to get uh, freedom. Okay, so just now you have to back up a little bit, and you mentioned maroons. You have to tell us. Ah, yes. Ah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. who are the maroons? <laughs> you know, I spent so much time researching for this story over a year, on and off for a year, researching the story, wanting to get all the facts right. Sometimes I say words that, you know. You just I, assume we I know. I assume everyone knows it. Uh, so sorry about that. Assume so then, we know nothing. <laughs> assume we know nothing. I'll, I'll, I'll move forward with that understanding. So the Maroons were a group of people who were brought in um, by the Spanish into um, Jamaica around the, the 1500s. This would be a time period after the a lot of the native Indians were already killed off um, on the island. So once that native population was killed off, they needed to have other labor. And so they brought in these... Africans who were also mixed with Indian descent, uh, Indian descent being of the Caribbean area, mm -hmm. and they were brought to the islands. When the U.S., when sorry, when the British Empire came in, they pushed out the Spanish, and the Spanish left. When the Spanish left, they left the group of people, the Maroons, the Africans, they're on the islands, and they fled to hide from the British. And fled to the mountains. So well, here, the British were taking them as slaves. The right? British yeah. were taking them as slaves. The British brought in slaves of their own, but a lot of the people who were trying to escape this sort of um, well, slavery really, mm -hmm. um, escaping kidnapped, um, they ran into the Blue Mountains and ran into other areas where they could hide in the the islands uh, interior, and that was the group of Maroons, um, and they were the, that was the group that ended up making. The jerk and combining the spices, some of the spices techniques were brought over from, as you mentioned, Africa. And they combined their African techniques with their techniques and the spices that were there on the island. And that was the birth of, of jerk. Hmm. Well, now, there was something very specific to um, that you wrote about nicely and that, and that I've done some reading. When you look at you know, research jerk, you see the mention of the specific wood that makes it particular to Jamaica. Yes, the pimentos, the pimento wood is also known as allspice 
in the States mm-hmm. where you get the allspice berries right. and you can, you know, I use it a lot in the holiday time. <laughs> um, but in Jamaica, they not only use the berries to spice the food, they also use the pimento sticks. And so this is a tree that is usually, it reaches maturation around three to five years. And so around three to five years, they can cut down the wood and then they use those, use that wood, imagine it like a grill rack laid out over a fire. Um, and then the, um, the, the, the branches and the trees are the placed so closely together they're very tightly packed. It's not very widely spaced. Mm-hmm. You mean maybe an inch maximum of space. Um, and then they're just laid out long rows of them over a fire pit. And that is the pimento that is very unique to uh, the Jamaica area. You can also find pimento, though, in areas of Mexico and areas of India. But what people of the Caribbean will tell you, and, and people know that region has so much to do with how the flavors and that gives right. the food the characteristic yeah. so the jamaican pimento has a special characteristic that is very distinctive yeah and so not to be confused with pimiento the not the to pepper. be confused right. with pimiento in fact also called sweetwood sometimes right you said people also call it sweetwood, sweetwood. Yeah. it because it has that sweet wood flavor it really does now is there i mean they they the, the whole long and slow cooking over this wood and a, and a very kind of a fire that is um discreet shall we say so mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of smoke being produced because this was really some they want they didn't want people to know they were there right correct so again going back to the maroons they were in hiding much of the time they were trying to hide from their captures trying to hide from being enslaved so when they were cooking the their most of the time it was a wild hog or you know pork basically that was running wild and they had these um, catches they would have to cook it low and slow on the ground, underneath the ground, which is a technique that we're, we find in other areas like in Cuba where, you know, in, in areas of Hawaii, it's a very familiar way of cooking, right. a popular way of cooking at that time in the grounds. And that would help to hide where they were. If you were cooking something above ground, you know, without any sort of cover, the smoke is just, you know, it's like a smoke signal going off in the sky, which is really also, too, how I started the story. It's now when you see smoke going off and you have that great smell, you turn your you car and you, you run to it. <laughs> right. They didn't want people running toward them. So they tried to cook it in a way that helped diffuse the smoke and to help not to, and as a way not to disclose where they were. Right, right. Um, no, in fact, it's, it's interesting because um, today... It, well, not jerkness because jerk is is um, that's really indigenous to Jamaica. I mean, that's their specialty, right? I mean, the the preparation of the with the peppers and the and the marinade. One of the things and that pimento. it almost has to be specific to Jamaica, and the reason is because for many years, up until January, they no one was allowed to actually export pimento plant parts. Mm. You were allowed to take the berries. Now there were there are few exceptions. If you you know you get, get a waiver from uh, very high up in government to say okay you can take out plant parts, um, and there are some people I found who do take out plant parts. However, they weren't able to disclose to me how they were able to do yeah, so. Right. And there were many instances in um, Jamaican history and even the recent history where people would come into the island people from other countries can come in 
and they would chop down acres and acres of pimento wood to steal them, to bring them back. That is how valuable the pimento is. Wow. And so valuable in terms of bringing that flavor that everybody's seeking that really is just on that island. January, as of January, now you can export pimento plant parts, which, you, which might which might lead to us seeing other places in America or all over the world where you can cook authentic jerk outside of the country. Mm. But as of right now, the really the, the best places to get it is in Boston Beach, which is an area that really keeps the traditional style of cooking alive. Yeah, now, we just sort of glossed over that where, you know, the, we were talking about the highlands, of course, mm-hmm. back in the, you know, the 17th century where mm-hmm. it really, you know, grew. But... Um, Tell us a little bit about Boston Beach in Jamaica and where this becomes jerk capital. Yeah, it, it is It is known as the jerk capital. Uh, and after 1739, 1739, the Maroons signed a treaty with the British um, Empire, I like to call it. Um, and around this time, basically what that, that treaty did, it allowed the Maroons to come out of hiding. They granted them land and said, we are no longer going to capture you. A part of that um, rule said, if Africans come, if our African slaves try to hide with you, you have to bring them back. Hmm. So it was a way to kind of also control. Yeah. control. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it was a way to control what they already owned and said, you know what, we can't find you anyways. It's too much work. Once that p- peace treaty was assigned and once the threat of slavery was finally lifted, that's when you found the maroons were started coming down the mountains. And also as the threat of slavery lifted, the way they were cooking the food also lifted. So it went from going to the ground higher and higher up. Now if you go to an area like Boston Beach, which is an area where it's believed to be a lot of the ancestors of the maroons still cook the mm. traditional jerk style, you'll find um, – Outdoor restaurants. I don't like to call them outdoor stalls. I, they are legit restaurants. Yeah, they got picnic, and picnic tables and there's and the tables yeah. and you have beverages and it's you know it's different than what we're used to here and you know in the states. But these are restaurants with amazing heritage recipes of cooking jerk, and you just stall. You know, restaurant after restaurant after restaurant. You see the sticks just laid out about waist high, and they just pass probably as big as a dining table, honestly. Hmm. Um, and there would be just rows of them, and people are cooking uh, there in an area called Boston Beach. And uh, that's really, the, like you said, it's the, it's the capital of, it's known as the capital of Jerk now. It's close to the, the Blue Mountains, where many of the Maroons would have lived at that time, back in the day. And so I love how they keep that heritage alive and the story of jerk alive there. And, and the um the food that is most predominantly cooked that way uh, would be jerk pork pork okay jerk pork is the really the uh, like you said they were when the maroons were cooking it they were catch, catching hogs and wild and boar wild probably. boar yeah. on the island so pork was the first thing then Chickens became popular. Now, if you go there, lobster, jerk lobster is like a very, Anything very you can yummy, find, right? very, very yummy fish. Any fish they catch, like whatever the local catch is. What they catch? Them. Those are the top three. Those yeah. are definitely top three. I would say go get all of them because <laughs> they're so yummy. That's what I do when I go there. Uh, it's interesting to talk about. You use 
jerk as you know as a noun and mm-hmm. as a verb and you know, yeah. we're cooking jerk no we're jerking we're wait you know what let's talk about the word jerk how did that come about that's interesting because that this was even in during the editing process it was a thing that people were like well what is it is it is it you know is it a noun is it uh, you think of it like barbecue you know I'm making barbecue I'm barbecuing I, you want some barbecue today yeah. And so it's in a similar way. Jerk is just another style of barbecue. And people always ask, well, where did the word come from? And I, there's really two stories here. There's the short version and the long version. <laughs> <laughs> the long version is very romantic. You know, it, the, when the Spanish came and brought over, um, you know, the, the, the Africans and the Spanish were there and the Tainos were there and the Arawaks were there. This is one story. And the Arawaks had a, a style of cooking called Cherokee, which was really jerky. And what they did is they would cut the meat in very th- uh, thin slivers and let it lay out in the sun mm-hmm. to dry. Jerky. Cherokee. Jerky. jerky. And so people believe that jerk, jerk, as we know it in the Jamaican sense, came from that um, framework. I have some problems with that understanding, though, because from, from that sort of reasoning, because the way the Jamaicans were doing it, the way the Maroons were cooking it at that time, there was no cutting it in thin strips. These were still large chunks of meat. So I don't understand how the, how the, how that would apply. How to that, that would that, apply. Really? Yeah. Also, remember when the Maroons were brought in, the Maroons were brought in after the Indians, the native Indians there were already killed off. So the influence, that the, the likelihood of there being a crossover in culture and cooking style is not that likely. Mm. Of course, though, you can point to the fact that the Spanish were the ones who were bringing them on. You, they could have maybe have taught certain techniques to cook it to save, you know, make the meat a certain way so that we could have it longer, you know, and while we're traveling around the Caribbean. Right. But then they would probably have asked for them to make the thin slivers of jerky. The other explanation, which actually seems, is not so romantic, <laughs> has more to do with how the Jamaicans speak, is that they said that jerky, jerk, likely came about by the way the meat was jerked around when it was cooked. Ah, moving it, moving it off the hot fire and over to one Moving side. it around, and when they were putting in the, all these spices... So much of the jerk was actually originally about preserving the meat. So they weren't just trying to coat the meat. They really wanted to get the spices and the peppers into the meat. So there was a lot of poking and a lot of, you know, uh. rigorous jerking motion that would go into place just to season the meat. And then when they were cooking it and moving it around on the sticks, there was this motion. So, and to tell you the truth, when you look at the way uh, Jamaicans speak, even to this day, it's a very literal language. It's, it's, if you see it, that's how you say it. And so it acts, that story makes sense when you look at the, the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have plenty of funny stories about people's names. You know, it's like if someone was a little kid with a big belly, they probably got the nickname Belly. <laughs> and as adults, they're still, you know, carrying around that name. If someone had stick legs, they probably got the name Sticky. And, and that's how the Jamaican culture um, is. It's very literal. So in looking at those, um, when, you, when you look at the, the naming, 
no one really knows, to tell yeah. you the truth. No yeah. one knows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that, that makes sense. No know. one knows, but I mean, it's one the, of the two. Yeah, the Spanish word, you know, certainly, you know, applied to something or other, but it was, it was a nice... It was a a, a nice story. It's a beautiful story, (laughs) but there's a lot of holes that you can poke into it. Well, we haven't touched on the hotness and the heat of of Jamaican jerk, but we're going to take a quick break. So when we come back, get ready for some hot stuff. This episode is presented by LMT, the hospitality industry's preferred source for tabletop and more. From their New York City headquarters, LMT provides expertise and uniquely curated product opportunities to restaurants and hotels nationwide. Whether it's china, glass, and silver, to smallwares and equipment, LMT's approach to tasteful design and product knowledge is simply unmatched. Learn more at littlemtucker.com. This episode is also presented by Forever Cheese, a passion for great taste. Forever Cheese sources the highest quality and most unique cheeses and other products from Italy, Spain, Portugal, and Croatia, and imports them to the United States, the majority under the Midica brand. If it's Midica, it's got to be incredible. Learn more at forevercheese.com. Hi, we're back on A Taste of the Past, and I'm talking with Rochelle Oliver, who is telling us all about the origins of Jamaican jerk. And Rochelle, we have talked about the wood, we've talked about the fires and the history and the long and slow and the types of meat. What we haven't talked about is how now, it's not just the pimento wood um, flavoring the, the meat and smoking it, it was really a smoked meat, basically, as you say, we're talking about yes. preserving, right? Yes, yes. But now we associate it with the marinade that the meat is put through and a whole, like, barbecue-type sauce with this marinade. Yes. Hot, hot, hot. Hot. If, yeah. And if, if that's the other debate, is that it has to be hot if it's jerk. I'm, I'm in that camp. <laughs> I'm in that well, camp. But someone said if you take the heat away, it's something different, right? It's something different. But, you know, then who's to say what is hot? Hmm. And I think that's the other question. Well, there is a capsicum <laughs> scale. <but. laughs> there, 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 there is a scale, but you know, a lot of people, they, they, their threshold is so different. And, and what adds a lot of the heat to Jamaican jerk seasoning is the scotch bonnet. Mm-hmm. Um, the maroons were probably using um, a, a bird chili pepper. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but now the scotch bonnet is what's, what is the go-to spice. And that's chopped up. The seeds are in there, along with the thyme, along with the garlic. Wear gloves if you try this uh, at home. 
I, I have to tell you, very. I, I've been personally making jerk since I was about, uh, oh gosh, five or six years old. Wow. Um, wonderful times. I, my mother has always trusted me when it comes to seasoning the meats. Um, I can smell uh, what it needs usually. Um, I never use gloves, but I'm a crazy person with that. I just love this stuff. (laughs) I love it. Um, But yes, gloves is probably a really, that's really good advice. Or just don't touch any other part of your body. (laughs) Wash your hands thoroughly. Um, So you have the thyme, the scotch bonnet, which releases all those beautiful oils into the meats. Um, You have, uh, which ones? The onion, the scallions. Um, And those are really like the, the, the base of the, the seasonings, but just like American barbecue sauce, you know, it started somewhere that everyone has their, you know, they throw in. Now, if you're going to be pulling back on the spice, pulling back on the scotch bonnet, what people will try to incorporate is um, ginger. Oh, that has a spiciness of its own. It has a spiciness yeah. of its own, but it doesn't really cause, you know, the eyes to run, the nose to run. Right. <laughs> but it also keeps that sort of, you know, that, that spiciness really has that little tickle still to it. Um, so that's what you'll find. You'll some people will add soy sauce also to their marinades now, or, or lime juice. And so that's all usually personal preference. If you want it to be sweeter, people will add sugar. The soy sauce sometimes is, I think, used if they don't get enough allspice berries. They don't get that dark color that mm-hmm, they want. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of as a... As a uh, um, I'm going to say a, a shellacking of the of the meat. You know, yeah, getting, it more has color. to do with the coloring yeah. that they're trying to achieve, and and probably depending on how you bake it, you want to impose maybe more of the color into it, or maybe less. And so that's those are all some of the spices and the improvisations that people can can take to have fun with it. So is it jerk? Let's say you're doing chicken, and and is it jerk if you cook it in the oven? tell you i make a mean jerk burger (laughs) um what is real jerk in the article i think what people were a lot of the people were trying to say is jerk real jerk comes from jamaica and that's not to say that it was just cooked in jamaica it means that the ingredients support the islands the ingredients are really from that place Mm -hmm. and the farmers were also the jamaican farmers were making it and I think it just goes with like the the identity of what jerk is. So much of the identity is wrapped up in what the country is and the, their fight for freedom. So, but I mean, you know, as people left the island, they didn't leave their desire for the flavor behind. So people improvised. They did what they had to do. They make it in the jerk. You can make it with anything now. You can bake it. You can grill it and you can, you know, do what I do sometimes, mix it in a burger. And it's, and that's if you want the flavor, you know, to, if you want to bring the flavor along on your food journey, you know, you can do that. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about a, a lot of Jamaican seasonings and Caribbean seasonings. It really lends well to adaptation and right. being able to, uh, you know, add some spicy mayo on something and, and just really have the influence be there. Now, is it real authentic jerk? I don't think anyone's going to say it's authentic jerk. It just can't be if it's a burger yeah. or a salad dressing <laughs> right. or baked on a, on a, on, on your, in your oven, but it's definitely an interpretation of one. Well, and, and 
in a sense, it's a form of flattery. How nice that someone likes those flavors so much that you know they've um, adopted them to to cook them in a different way and in uh, on a different food, which so. kind of brings us around to that whole question of cultural appropriation. Yes. I mean, is it Jamaican jerk if somebody else is cooking it? Someone in in a restaurant or in, in a you know a street barbecue in another country or another yeah. island. This is a great question, and I've um, really sometimes struggle with how the food gets brought over because there's so much of the Caribbean story. More people in the Caribbean live outside of the Caribbean than in the Caribbean. Hmm. <laughs> and so people um, have to adapt. Uh, you know, if you are three generations out and you're making jerk that your mother's mother's mother taught you how to cook, is it really yours to cook? One of the beautiful things about the Caribbean, and especially about Jamaica, is that the story is out of many, one. And that's the country's motto. Out of many, one, yeah. And so, and I think that comes to the fact that there, you can't look at any of the food or any of the dishes in the Caribbean and say, this is only from this one place. Even jerk has, all, I mean, it's an ad, ad, taken from uh, Africa in many ways. And so the, foods, the food story of Jamaica has always been one that has to be evolved, and it's always adapted, and it's always been very inclusive of other cultures. And just in the story, is, is jerk hot? People are more than happy, and these are Jamaicans who are tweaking the recipe to say, we want you to enjoy our culture. We want you to love what we love. So they're dumbing it down a little bit for people whose palates aren't quite as uh, in used to the hot spice? or I, w- I wouldn't say dumbing it down. I would say um, just becoming more inclusive. Mm. And I oh. think there's a, there's a beautiful thing that happens when people from the culture chooses to bring people into their culture, which is what I feel in many cases... I also did a story on um, Jamaican beef patties and the goal of Lowell Hawthorne and and may he rest in peace. He uh, ended up taking his life um, not too long ago. But his dream was to make the beef patty the next McDonald's sandwich. You know, he said by 2020, I want every person in America eating the Jamaican beef patty. And I think that's a spirit and entrepreneurship that is uh, already there in many immigrants, but especially in, in the Jamaican culture, it seems that inherently it has always been about inclusivity and wanting people to come along in the journey. And that might mean adding a certain spice or taking out a certain spice Mm -hmm. and really sharing it with the world. Now, I think the problem with, um, you know, when people take an appropriation of food is when you don't give credit to where it comes from. Right. And luckily... You know, there, there, was, there was some issues with some of the people I spoke with. They uh, had issue with the word being called Caribbean jerk, which is not real. <laughs> That's not a thing. <laughs> right. It's Jamaican jerk. And so people had a, um, the only time people ha- expressed that they're, they're, they were uncomfortable about something was when the word Jamaican was taken out of it. And so, and then there was this fast food chain that they would mention that was uh, using, I think it was, uh, should I mention the fast food chain? Sure. It, <laughs> it was like, I think it was Chili's. Everybody's kept complaining oh. about, I think it was Chili's or Applebee's that was making a jerk chicken wings that 
they said they were absolutely horrible and it's a shame they and they just wanted them to get the recipe right they didn't say take it off the menu they said do it right or don't do it and i think that's really unique when we're talking about appropriation of food jamaicans that i've been speaking with business owners the people in the community the the farmers um they're okay as long as you keep it jamaican and try your best to honor not only the food but the history of it absolutely well that's that's a a wonderful philosophy to keep yeah well now you are um starting to delve into a bit more caribbean food and, and culture and history not just jamaican but all Caribbean. You're you are a managing editor of a magazine called yes. Island and Spice. Tell that's, us about that. That's right, islandandspice.com. It's going to be an online magazine that focuses on giving uh, Caribbean chefs and Caribbean food a, a platform where it can be celebrated. Uh, when a lot of people think about Caribbean food, they tend to think about jerk. <laughs> they tend to think about beef patties. They tend to think about roti, which these are all really wonderful dishes of the Caribbean, but there's so many, so much more to be explored. And there's so many great chefs that are doing new and fresh things with Caribbean food and really moving it forward in a way that it needs to be celebrated. Yeah. It deserves a, 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 deserves a platform to be celebrated for what it is and where it's going. And so Island and Spice dot com that's the place so it's going to be an online magazine online magazine monthly each each uh month we're looking at chefs uh food recipes and um a little bit about the islands of where they come from terrific oh i look forward to that coming about thank you well thank you thank you for sharing all your information and uh you're making me hungry. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because it's so hot out there, but people fire up the grills anyway. And I guess that's, you know, <laughs> that's, that's good and serve hot, hot food, a yes. way of keeping cool. I yes. Guess. Right. Yes. Thank you so much. You're this welcome. Wonderful. And thanks for listening. This has been another Taste of the Past. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. A Taste of the Past is powered by Simplecast. Simplecast is a popular hosting and analytics platform that allows podcasters to easily host and publish to apps like Apple Podcasts. If you have a podcast or are looking to create your very first, check it out. Try it for free and save half off your first three months at simplecast.com forward slash heritage.